Wonder, curiosity, connection. Where will your adventures take you? I'm Dr. Diane, and thank you for joining me on today's episode of Adventures in Learning. Welcome to the Adventures in Learning podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Diane, and today we are going to talk to somebody who puts the arts in steam every single day. Um, We're talking to a young lady that I've had the privilege of knowing for, it's got to be at least six years now, uh, Jenna Baraclo. She graduated from Shenandoah University with a BFA in musical theater, and she is currently at Charleston Stage, where she is gracing the stage most recently as Wednesday Adams, and now as Belle in Christmas Carol, and She's also teaching children. So Jenna, welcome to the show. Hi, Diane. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. So walk us through how you got to where you are. You're a musical theater major and you're currently at Charleston Stage, but you've done a lot of interesting things to get there. Yeah, it's. I think it really started for me in high school. So I started teaching because I worked at my dance studio. I assistant taught dance classes since I was probably like nine years old. And it was kind of just the thing that like everyone did. And it was kind of what you did as you got older. But then I got really into it um, and started like really taking over and like having it really become more a part of my life. And so it kind of naturally became a thing where I decided I really liked teaching. But at the same time, I was like, well, I I want to perform. So then I was like, well, I'm going to go get my BFA in musical theater. For a second, I really thought I was going to go become a teacher, like go get my BA and like become a classroom teacher. But, you know, then high school came and I was like, I think I want to perform. So I did a lot of teaching in high school, but then in college, it kind of took a, a sidebar, mostly because it's kind of hard to balance a BFA curriculum and anything else. Um, But during the pandemic, I did uh, summer camps on Zoom. And so I got to really get back into teaching that way um, through summer camps and, you know, kind of slowing down due to the pandemic. And then this past year, life was crazy. I booked a national tour. The national tour got canceled. I then... uh, was looking around for jobs and I started working at this company called Kidstock in Winchester, Massachusetts, which is so funny because Winchester, I went to college Virginia. in Winchester, Virginia. <laughs> um, so working at Kidstock, I started teaching theater after school programming five days a week. And so I really dove right back into it headfirst. I probably hadn't taught a classroom full of kids outside of a camp setting in like five years. So it was a little jarring. Um, at first, but I think it really solidified that I really do value teaching as such a big part of my life in addition to performing. So I went to um, one of those big audition conferences. I went to UpDes last year and through UpDes, I got this job at Charleston Stage um, where I'm a resident actor. So we perform in all their main stage shows, but we also are their teachers for their theater school during the day. So it kind of is a serendipitous that I ended up here because it wasn't really in the plans to end up here. And it also, I didn't go into it knowing that the teaching part of it was going to be like as great as it is. So it kind of was a little magical how I got here, but I think it 
it's exact kind of worked out exactly in the way that I needed it to. Well, and I think that um, all of those experiences we have end up circling back and leading us exactly where we need oh, to be. A hundred percent. I think everything we do in life ultimately helps us in the future. I think if I hadn't been teaching dance at, you know, 16, that, you know, then, you know, taking a job in college leads to the job after college and all of it kind of is like a domino effect. Well, and um, I know and what a natural teacher you are because I was one of the uh, summer Zoom camps that you helped with. And yes, I it did. was so much fun to have you play with animal adaptations and dinosaurs and linking the arts and science in particular as we yes. were working with kids. Do you find that you're still building those kind of connections in the curriculum you're using now? I think so. I think a lot of it is through like taking what they're learning in school right now and then kind of putting it into our theater curriculum, especially with my younger kids, my early childhood education kids. I think a lot of it is like finding books that we use. We use books in the classroom all the time. Um, and everything that we do theater wise relates back to like literature. But I think what's really cool about that is then finding books that have a wide variety of, um, topics. So we have books, you know, science, math, history, and they all can be used in like a theater setting, but they all have a bunch of different topics and they can hopefully most of the time they relate back to what the kids are actually learning in their, um, public school during the day which is really cool. Do you have favorite books that you've discovered that you love using with the kids? Oh my gosh, this one's kind of silly, but <laughs> there's this book that I did at a summer camp a couple of years ago called A Where Is My Bagel? About this little boy in Korea who has a dream of a bagel. Like he just dreams it, but nobody knows what a bagel is. And he goes around to all the people in his town and he's like, do you know what a bagel is? Do you know what a bagel is? And they're like, no. And so he writes a letter to New York city asking for a bagel. He waits and waits and waits and waits and no one comes. And finally he gets a letter that's like, we can't send you a bagel cause it would be stale, but we'll send you the recipe. So then he has to go back to all these people in his village, the fishermen, the the farmer, the baker, and he gets all the ingredients from them that he's gotten in this recipe. Um, and they all work together to create a giant bagel, but it's all about, I just love it. Cause it's all about community and like, they get a little bit of like cooking knowledge in there. Um, so when I read it to my kids over the summer, uh, they were obsessed with it and we read it probably five or six times in three weeks. Um, and so then I was like, this is a great book to use in the theater setting. And so then my current kindergarten and first grade class is using it for their final performance. Um, we've adapted it into a stage production and they're all playing the different, the farmer and the fisherman and the whatever. Um, and I think they are enjoying it. It's a very fun, easy book. And it's, I like it because it kind of has a little bit of a cross-cultural exploration as well. Um, that kind of, it, it, you know, it, in, it, uh, invites them into a new culture that they don't necessarily know, but they all know bagels and they all, you know, those pieces are, are familiar to them. And so then it kind of, it's like a, well, a as you were talking, I was going to say, as you were talking, I was sort of 
envisioning all the different connections that you're able to connect to culture, you're able to build theater and oral expression and performance. There's also the chemistry that goes with baking. You've got measuring and math and all the things that would go into creating a bagel. So there's all kinds of cross-curriculum connections just with that one book. Yeah. It's super fun. I know we had to have a whole conversation about like, why are these the ingredients in a bagel? Like what happens when you mix them all together and why do they rise in the oven? And it's such fun conversations and it's all through theater. Like then you get to act it out with your body and experience it uh, and not just sit at your desk and learn about it in your brain. Exactly. Um, And different kids have different ways that they need to learn. And so the theater provides that outlet for kids who need to be up and about and expressing. Yeah. It's, it's great to see how different activities bring out different sides of kids. And what's so cool about theater is it really is like a full body experience. And so something that uses your voice is going to be more, is going to click more for a kid versus something using their body. And so like that whole idea of like audio visual kinetic learning is all encompassed into one class easily when you're teaching a theater class. And it's really cool to see how different kids grasp onto different pieces of learning when you're teaching in a theater setting. Absolutely. And I know, um, I use Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop's work a lot. Um, She talked about windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors and trying to provide Mm -hmm. books that allow kids to see themselves, but also, as you just said, to have a window into another culture authentically. Um, How are you finding that informs your work in terms of both in the classroom and I think also in the performing arts as an actor in terms of representation? I think it... It makes me grateful for where we are now in the world that like the books that we are have access to are just so much more diverse than the books that we read growing up Um, and that there's so many different kinds of experiences. And then I think about that with the kind of work that I then want to like do as an actor. And I think it directly correlates because I'm like, well, what do I want my students or in a broader sense, you know, the public or my students at large to see the work that I'm doing on stage. What do I want them to be getting out of coming to see me as an actor? And then I think it, I think it really makes me think about like, what work am I putting on? What work am I seeking out? And like what playwrights are out there and what are we doing to kind of, again, bring those cultures that people aren't seeing or they don't know or, you know, science or math or all kinds of things that you learn through theater and how can we like translate that to stage? And so I do think like reading all these books, I mean, I read all the time constantly and then especially reading like children's books, which are so theatrical in the way that they are written, um, really also makes me think about the work I'm doing as an actor on stage and like how, how am I translating that into my work and what choices I'm making in the theater I'm putting on. And I like the way you just said children's books are theatrical because that's such a perfect way to look at a picture book. You've got 32 pages to go beginning, middle, end to grab attention and to tell your story. And Mm -hmm. often it's not just the words, the illustrations add a whole different layer to what's going on. So there's nuance and it really is a full theatrical experience. Yeah, it's really cool using picture books in a theater class setting because so much can be learned 
from just looking at a picture book. You could do the whole thing with just the words and you could do the whole activity with just reading the book. And then you could do the whole activity, not reading the book at all and just looking at the pictures and they can create an entirely different story by just looking at the pictures in the story. So it's really cool because it can be so multi-layered in using books in a classroom setting and kind of it's a it's a way to have them access that side of themselves because kids are already so I always like to say I teach creative play it's not theater especially with little little kids when you're teaching that early childhood education age group they're already naturally so uh predisposed and like at an age where that's what they do they'll read a book and they'll become that kid. Like I used to read books as a kid, All of a Kind Family. Mm-hmm. I know you read that I book series to Miranda. I All of a Kind Family. I, when I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be Ella. I used to like sign all my journals as Ella, the oldest daughter. So yep. like you're already, kids are already trying to become the characters they read in books at that age. And so like, it's so cool how it's so easy to just take these books and like, there are, they're set up perfectly to be turned into like a creative play experience that they can then learn something from. So you were Ella from All of a Kind Family. I was too. Who were some <laughs> of the other picture book or children's book characters that you found yourself uh, becoming as a child? Oh, I loved the boxcar children. I I don't remember their names, but me and my brother, I used to make us pretend to be the boxcar children because they kept their milk in the waterfall. Yes. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Jesse and, so and pre- Violet and Henry and Benny. <laughs> yes. Oh, I loved them. I loved the boxcar children. They were my absolute favorite. I also was like a big Nancy Drew mm-hmm. and Trixie Belden. I yes. loved Trixie Belden. She lived on a ranch. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I want to live on a ranch and ride a horse. And I loved that. Um, and a totally loved, different experience for a New York City oh, kid. Totally different experience. I think whatever I was envisioning in my head was probably not even correct. Like I had no semblance of what a ranch lifestyle was like, but I loved it because it was like so different than what I grew up with. I didn't. I like the only time I ever saw horses if I went apple picking in upstate New York. Right. <laughs> it was like or the horse carriages near at central park right yeah exactly so i think those kinds of characters i loved uh i loved a lot of like oh british books like the shoes by no stretfield yes ballet shoes dancing shoes circus shoes tennis shoes theater shoes still my favorite yeah ballet shoes i've probably read more than any other book i tore the cover off of mine (gasps) Oh, yeah, I had so read it good. so many times the cover fell apart. Yeah, my mom, because not all of the shoes books are available in the United States. So my mom started special ordering them from the UK because I was running out of shoes books to read. So I desperately wanted to be all the girls yes. in all the shoes books, especially the ballet shoes one. Um, my favorite was when they learned that they like went to like a, a, a conservatory that I think that really is what birthed my want to like go to theater school. So were you Pauline Petrova or Posey? Pauline. 
Absolutely. Because I'm always the eldest daughter. I get it. Me too. <laughs> That's always who I'm drawn to. I wanted yeah. to be cool like Petrova or wild like Posey, but I was always Pauline. But I was Pauline. I was always Pauline. I named one of my webkins Pauline. <laughs> my beagle was named Pauline. Yeah, exactly. I always wanted to be like one of the crazy ones, but I was like, I'm just yeah. drawn to the older sister vibe. I was always. Rachel in dancing shoes. I wanted yes. to be Hillary or Dulcie, but no way. I was I totally couldn't. Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. brought back such memories with those. I love those books. Were there any characters that your mother said, no, that book's not coming or it miraculously disappeared from your house? Funnily enough, this was probably when I was like really, really little, like maybe first grade, we would go to the library and I would just like look at covers of books. It's like, I couldn't even read too well yet. And I would just pick things and be like, mom, I want to read this. I really was drawn something about the cover of Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing by Judy Bloom really drew me in when I was like in first grade. And my mom was like, this book is not, she was like, I do not want my child doing the things that they do in this book. So she read it out loud to me and just chose to take out sections of the book. She like pre-read it and decided we're not going to read that part. And then read it out loud to me, the Nancy edition. That's <laughs> funny. They were a little uh, too wild and she did not want me emulating that. <laughs> Parental editing. Um, in yeah, our exactly. case, I had an oldest child, your former roommate, Miranda, who... <laughs> As a toddler would, toddler preschooler would become the characters in her books. So there was a two week period where she was Biscuit the dog and literally would sleep on the floor in my room. Biscuit needs a hug. Biscuit needs a drink. Biscuit. So I set out the mat in my room. Um, I was fine with her being all the characters. We were Madeline at one point. You know, she did all of them. I drew the line at Eloise. Um, when we oh, came in and decided oh. we were going to start being Eloise, no. that book miraculously was checked out of the library every time we went. I can't explain. Yeah. You're like, sorry. It was just gone. popular. And I like <laughs> Eloise a lot now. It just did not work for my child in that moment. Absolutely not. You were like, that is not what... It's funny how each kid has like the thing. For my brother, it was Harry Potter. My mom did not let my brother watch like read Harry Potter for a while because he would just like really take on the emotions of the characters and especially in the later books it gets real intense and so like he would just really like empathize with them and like he has some behavior problems and so she was like well sorry there's a reason Jonah and Ella are friends um I read those aloud to both girls separately because of the age difference and I found out much later that Ella had bad dreams about Lord Voldemort, but she didn't tell me about it because she was afraid I would stop reading. And so she was so invested. She wanted to keep going to find out what happened next. And so she must've been much older when I found that out. So it's, that's that theatricality of books though, is you get connected. You really do. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear all about a day in the life for Jenna at Charleston stage. Hey, early childhood and elementary school teachers and librarians, are you looking for ways to spice up your curriculum, build connections with engaged STEAM learners, and introduce multicultural versions of fairy tales and folk literature? 
If so, head over to drdianeadventures.com and check out our on-demand virtual course. Beyond Ever After STEAM on-demand virtual course allows you to work at your own pace and learn how to build these STEM-STEAM connections through multicultural fairy tales and folk literature. You'll receive professional development credits after you complete this high-energy three-hour on-demand course produced with Steve Spangler, Inc. As a bonus, you're going to receive a PDF that's filled with curriculum connections and program ideas you can put to work immediately in your early childhood elementary or library setting. Discounts are available for group purchases, plus you get special pricing when you purchase it as part of a regular professional development workshop. So head on over to drdianeadventures.com and get started on your own Beyond Ever After experience. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with the lovely and talented Jenna Barraclow. And Jenna, can you tell us what a day in the life of Charleston stage is like for you? Oh man, it's all, I'll give you like my, my slow day and then I'll give you my, my busy day like tomorrow. So I, what's nice is I work like a three to 10 PM schedule, which is a little funny because it's the exact opposite of every other human being on the planet. But it means that like during the day I have some free time. So I read constantly. That's all I do is I read. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I am always posting what book I'm reading. Um, so I spend a lot of the day reading until I have to go to work. And then we teach. So I teach, um, Tuesday through Thursday. That's when our theater school classes happen. Um, and so I go in the afternoon, probably around three o'clock and do all my setup. I got to pull props, costumes, um, make sure right now we have our, they have our final performances this week. And so we're like making sure their, uh, script is ready. So I go and probably do that at like three. So on Tuesdays, I teach a first through fourth grade musical theater class, which is so fun. Um, I think there are 28 of them in that class it's wow. a big class that yeah. is a big class and the age range is wild we got a five-year-old and a 10-year-old in the same class but they're doing great so I teach those babies for an hour and then I also teach what is called our troop kids and so our troop kids are third through fifth graders and sixth through eighth graders who audition to be in this pre-professional troop so they are then eligible to be in our main stage productions as well as they are putting on their own show next month. So I teach third through fifth grade troupe dance on Tuesdays, and they are doing a show right now called Golly Gee Whiz, which is kind of like a babes in arms situation. Okay. The kids are putting on their own show. They got to save the town. So that is my Tuesday schedule. I teach two classes. And then Wednesdays I teach my sixth through eighth grade uh troop kids and they're doing like a big review show. And then Thursdays I teach kindergarten through first grade. So on a usual day I'll teach and then I'll probably get done around six 30. And then we go into rehearsals at seven for whatever show we're doing. So right now we're doing a Christmas Carol. We open 
in like 15 days. Um, and so we'll rehearse from like seven to 10. Sometimes it's dance rehearsals. Sometimes it's vocal rehearsals. Last night we did our designer run. So we ran the whole show for the whole design team so they could see it. Um, it's very exciting right now. It's all like hoop skirts and corsets <laughs> and very proper and Bridgerton-esque. Um, I was going to so say being been- in Charleston, I imagine they've got good costumes for that era. Oh, 100%. This is pretty cool this year because, so our artistic director wrote this version of A Christmas Carol. This is a brand new version. He's re-edited the entire script. They're also building all of all brand new costumes. So they're building, I think they said 80 costumes. Wow. For this production. They've been out working on it since July. Um, so, and what's cool is because there are... Um, different time periods you travel back in time to see young scrooge we also have different outfits to represent the different time periods so when oh, cool. i and bell i wear very like regency era empire dress waist dress it's like looks exactly like daphne's dress in bridgerton when she wow. like goes to the ball it's so cool and then when i'm in present present day quote unquote present day scrooge um it's like the giant hard hoop skirt and like a bustle and the corsets and the whole like different, completely different um, silhouette, which is very cool. So we get to hop around time periods a lot in that show, which is very fun. Um, so that's kind of our usual day is teach my classes in the afternoon and then I go to rehearsal at night. But we also do in-school workshops very often. So we did them at the beginning of our school year. We have a connection with a Montessori school. So we went and did two weeks at a Montessori school, which was so fun. Um, and then, and that was all about their curriculum. So they were learning about bugs in kindergarten. So we went in and did theater workshops about bugs or they, whatever they were learning about, we made theater curriculum to go with their um, lesson plans. That's awesome. It was so fun. They loved it. The kids were so excited. And then this week we're going into a public school because they are coming to see our production of the best Christmas pageant ever. So this is a show we're doing during the day for schools to come on field trips to see. So we are doing a literacy workshop with them this week to learn about like play structure, plot structure, um, learn about like the technicalities and like keywords, they call them their, uh, they have a word wall. So we'll be creating our own word wall of terms that have to do with like structure of a story. And, but we're doing it through the lens of the best Christmas pageant ever. Oh, that's exciting. It's so fun. So they're going to, we're going to go on this week and we'll have our kids for an hour, second through fifth grade, each grade. Uh, Tuesday through Friday. So we'll get them every day. We'll give them this little literacy workshop surrounding the best Christmas pageant ever. And then in December, they'll come on a school field trip to see us in the best Christmas pageant ever. I love those cross-curriculum connections. Yeah. It's going to be a super fun uh, way to culminate it. And then we're going to do the same thing when we do the Very Hungry Caterpillar in January. We're going to do the same thing with some in-school workshops. And then when we do Charlotte's Web in March, We'll do the same thing where we go into schools and kind of do a pre-show workshop to kind of get the kids ready to come see this book that they've read um, on stage and kind of discuss like 
the literacy aspects of it and then they'll get to see it on stage and they'll get to see their teachers uh perform in it which will be super fun so i was going to say for shows like best christmas pageant ever the hungry caterpillar and charlotte's web are you also performing in those or are those your youth troupe nope that's us so what's cool is best christmas pageant ever is a show that is primarily children. So it is our youth troupe. And then we play the adult roles. So the story of best Christmas pageant ever is that it's a bunch of kids at their church and they're putting on their Christmas pageant, but there's like this drama with the other kids who come in the herdmans, the herdmans have never been to church. Oh, those herdmans. Oh, the herdmans. (laughs) But there's the mom and the dad and then the reverend and Mrs. Armstrong. So there's a couple roles that we as the adults are playing, but it's mostly our youth kids and they are amazing. They're so good. They're going to literally be out of school to perform the show, but they're double cast. So they don't perform every day. They'll perform every other day, I think for two weeks. Um, and then we'll be doing Christmas Carol at night at the same time. So a lot of Christmas in December. I'm very excited. I was going to say, that's (laughs) awesome for you. (laughs) Yeah, I am living my best life. And what's funny is that then on Sundays, I teach Hebrew school and my Hebrew school students, some of them, their parents already told me they're coming on the field trip to see Christmas pageant. So I said, they're going to see their Hebrew school teacher play Reverend. I love the, um, I love the diversity of what you're playing. Yeah, exactly. I was like, they're they're just getting exposure to other cultures. Exactly. Now you just came off of playing Wednesday Adams in the Adams family. Yes. How was that experience? Oh, it's a dream role. Literally, Wednesday's been top of the dream role list since I was like 12. Um, and so it was a dream come true. That role is challenging. It is vocally exhausting in the best way. So it was a good challenge to like remind myself like, oh yeah, this is what I do for my career. Like this is what goes into being a professional actor. Um, But yeah, she is a dream. She is such a badass. She's so cool. Um, I think what's so cool about doing a show like The Addams Family is there's so much source material like dating back to the the original cartoons. There's the cartoons, there's the TV show, there's those movies. It's so cool because I got to do so much research on Wednesday and like where she comes from and like her family dynamic and all those things. And that's, you don't get that with every show. So it was very fun to like get to kind of dive into uh, who she is as a person. What was the biggest surprise playing Wednesday? Oh man. I think probably the the biggest surprise actually was how much I just felt like this was my family. As crazy as the Adamses are, like I have a younger brother and I have a great relationship with my parents and I would do the show some nights and be like, wow, this, this feels like it's about me and my family. And so I think that was the biggest surprise, especially with my dynamic with Pugsley, was I was like, wow, this really feels like me and my brother. I think that was the biggest shock of like doing this show and really diving in was like, this really is like my family dynamic. And even as kooky and crazy as they are. (laughs) Well, we're going to listen to a little clip of you as Wednesday as we go to our um, break. And then we're going to come back and learn about your futures adventure in learning. Mother always said to be kind to strangers, but she doesn't know what they destroy. I can feel the clear and present dangers when she learns 
I like it. Hey, early childhood and elementary school educators. Are you looking for a keynote speaker or professional development workshop that will knock the socks off your teachers? Look no further. Check out the offerings at drdianeadventures.com. We offer half and full day professional development workshops that will help you learn how to build connections between multicultural picture books, authentic STEAM experiences, and your curriculum. You'll explore strategies to get your students fully engaged and wanting to learn more, and you'll walk away with a new perspective on multicultural picture books, as well as strategies and ideas guaranteed to awaken your sense of wonder and to help you immediately build science and STEAM connections in your early childhood elementary or library setting. Learn how to connect science and math to literacy, oral communication, gross motor skills, and dramatic and artistic play. Every activity and strategy can be completed using materials you already have in your classroom, school, or home education setting. Check out the offerings at drdianeadventures.com. Though this feeling I know is impossible, so I'll confide that I've tried, but I can't let it go. It's disgustingly true. Welcome back. So that clip was Jenna Barraclough playing Wednesday Adams. And Jenna, what are your future plans? What's next for you at Charleston Stage or next year beyond when your contract ends? Uh, you know, I don't really know. I think what's nice is I have a lot of options. So next uh, year, calendar year, I'll be back. I'll be teaching. Uh, I have the same lineup of classes. I'm excited um, to go in and kind of do the same thing again and kind of fix what we did wrong and grow off what we did right. Um, and I'll be in rehearsals for the very hungry caterpillar in January. Um, so what are you playing this, in that? Oh, I have no idea. Actually <laughs> that one, we don't know. I do know there are 40 puppets. Oh my. In this production of caterpillar. So I'm excited to kind of learn how to puppeteer. Um, I think that'll be super fun in Charlotte's web. I am Templeton the rat which I'm very excited about. Templeton was always one of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. He has like a nice villain to hero arc. Yes. I'm very excited. Um, So I'll be doing those shows. I'm also in a production of Native Gardens, which is a play. I think it was on Broadway a couple years ago. Um, So I'll be doing that and then teaching all my classes. And then beyond that, I don't really know. I think I'm excited to see if I get offered a second year here. I've also started the adventure of looking into grad school. I am really interested in getting my master's of education, um, either in theater or not in theater. Kind of depends on what different programs have to offer. Um, So it's kind of, I got options. I also am thinking about eventually teaching. I would love to teach English in Israel. That has been on my back burner for a while. Um, is going abroad to teach English for some period of time. I think that would be a really great experience. Again, with that like cross-cultural like immersion, I think it's important to have those experiences to then bring back to your own classroom. So there's options. I'm excited. Well, and you just mentioned Israel. I know you just did your birthright tour last year. Um, Can you describe what kind of impact that had on you in terms of your worldview and what you want to do? Yeah, that trip really changed my life. 
Um, I talk about it all the time. I am lucky enough to be a Birthright Israel fellow. So I go around or ambassador. I'm a Birthright Israel ambassador. So I go around and I talk about my trip all the time. I travel around the country. It's a super cool job. Um, it really was amazing to kind of see how much history we have as a Jewish people. It was amazing to feel how even though we, you know, especially in the United States where we're so assimilated and we all have lead different lives and things, how we have so much in common. I think that was the really cool part was like being on this trip with people in my own age range. You know, I couldn't tell you the last time that I was with Jews my own age, you know. And so that experience was really cool to like be with other Jewish people my own age. And I think it really solidified for me how important it is to like be really vocal about my Jewish activism and, you know, and at the same time, continue to learn about my Jewishness and Israel's history. Because I think in order for me to be a really good activist, I got to be really knowledgeable. So I've been taking, I'm on my third adult education course right now. Um, this one's about our Jewish identity. So I, it really opened the door to adult education for me uh, through the lens of like learning more about Israel. Uh, so it's been a really fun avenue for me to explore. And like, it was a part of my identity that like I knew was in there, but it hadn't really been like unleashed. And so that trip really unleashed a side of me that has been a really fun to explore and like, you know, delve into that piece of education that I hadn't really explored too much before. If somebody wanted to learn more about Jewish culture, like a parent or a teacher or an educator, are there picture books or books that you found that you feel would be good gateways for them? Ooh, I don't know. I would have to look into that. I'll let you know. I'll send well, you. Yeah, put I can in put the them in the notes. show notes. Yeah, there's uh, what I really love. What a really, really great uh, resource is Brandeis University actually has uh, their Schusterman Center on Israel has amazing resources. They have caught. I love their um, Zoom webinars. They have constant Zoom webinars that are open to the public. They have a wide variety of topics. They have videos and book recommendations, like adult book recommendations. Um, so definitely Brandeis's Center on Israel is a great resource that I have found has been really cool for me. But I know there are picture books that I have at Hebrew school and I will have to go. Uh, and that sounds great. Let, you know. We will add yeah. those to the show notes along with the information about Brandeis because I think that's important, especially with um, the things we're grappling with as a country to make sure yeah. that we're providing books that serve as windows and that help build exactly. empathy. Yes, precisely. So just a couple more questions for you, Jenna. Yeah. Um, what currently brings you joy? Oh, man. I think my kids, like going in and teaching a bunch of kindergartners, it's, they just say the funniest things. And so I always am so happy when I teach my littlest kids. Also books, I say it all the time. All I do is read. Um, I think reading, it brings me a fun escape to another world. And so that's been my big joy right now is I have tons of time to read a blessing of this job. That's wonderful. And um, before I get to the final question, if people want to follow you on Instagram, what should they uh, be looking for? 
Yeah, my Instagram is in, I-N underscore general, J-E-N-N-A-R-A-L. Um, I post about all of my things, classes that I teach, books I'm reading, shows I'm in. I keep, that's where my, mo- my most uh, up-to-date information about what I'm doing at this time is on my Instagram, in underscore Jenna Roll. And we'll include that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So final question. What brings you hope today? Oh, man. I think human connection. I think people really connecting with one another and sitting down and talking is what brings me hope. I think that is what is going to continue to move us forward in the right direction. I think when you get too closed off and sheltered in your own bubble, that is when you start to become afraid of other people or afraid of the world. And I think having like human connection and conversation is what brings me hope. Like when I go and have a great conversation with someone, that is what makes me really hopeful for like what is going to come, whether it's a five-year-old or a 75-year-old, that, that is what brings me hope for like good things that can come in this world is having an honest to God conversation with someone. Well, you also bring me hope, you and your generation. So thank you for joining us on the Adventures in Learning podcast today, Jenna. And we'll have all of the contact information in the show notes. Thank you. You've been listening to the Adventures in Learning podcast with your host, Dr. Diane. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, download, and let us know what you think. And please tell a friend. If you want the full show notes and the pictures, please go to drdianeadventures.com. We look forward to you joining us on our next adventure.